Hey, this is John at The Bible Project. We've been in the middle of a conversation on the theme of rest in the Bible. God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he stopped working. He entered his creation like a king entering a throne room to rest and rule. And he wants us, his image, to rule with him on this seventh day. The problem is that left to our own devices, we've turned what meant to be rest into toil and violence and jealousy and mistrust. What we call the natural world in the biblical story is an existence of humans living at odds with our real nature. And we're living at odds with our environment. But God is on a mission to bring us back to that restful rule with him and to recreate the world. And so to do that, he chooses an ancient family. He makes a covenant with them so that they can find the rest for themselves and for God's creation. If you've been following along with this series, then you've likely been blown away with me about how much this theme of rest is woven into all the stories of Israel's patriarchs, of Moses and the exile, and how God gives Israel their covenant law, which includes seven festivals, a Sabbath day, and even a Sabbath year, a whole year where you let the land rest. And all of this is meant to help them begin to live like the future rest has actually come. Today on this episode, we're gonna look again at how God's desire for the seventh day ideal is thwarted by our desire to rule on our own terms. And what we'll look at today is how the biblical authors talk about this rebellion in the language of seventh day rest. So after giving all the covenant laws, God says, If after all this, you still don't listen, I'll discipline you for your sins seven times over. So if the ideal is the seventh day rest, the anti-ideal is exile from Eden multiplied by seven. It all builds up to verse 33. I'll scatter you among the nations. I'll draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste. Your cities lie in ruins. Verse 34. Then the land will get to enjoy the Sabbath years. All the time that it lies desolate and you're in the country of your enemies, the land will finally get that Sabbath rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest that it didn't get during the Sabbaths that you were living on it. It's very interesting. This warning comes true. Israel is exiled from their land and in their exile, they get to read this warning and find meaning for what is happening. The exile is gaining a meaning here. Whatever the exile is, it's going to be restoring the lost Sabbaths, the lost seventh day and seventh years and seven times seven years. It's about restoring that to the land because you didn't give it to the land. So today on the show, we continue our discussion on the theme of seventh day rest. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. You know, I noticed that these conversations, when we start them back up, mm. this is like the eighth episode mm-hmm. in Sabbath. Mm. And I think we get more and more succinct yeah. in how we... It's helpful. Yeah. It's yeah. like this exercise in yeah. how do we <clears throat> yeah. tell the whole story. Yeah. And yeah. we get better and better at it. Yep. That's right. Okay. Do you want to try your hand? I think I did the last summary. Yeah. In- intro. Sure. Uh, we're talking about we're talking about the Sabbath. Although we're not talking about the Sabbath. We're mm. really talking about what does it mean to <laughs> to be in a state of completeness and rest mm. 
where where things are the way they should be, mm-hmm. I guess is one way to put it. Mm-hmm. And in Genesis 1 and 2, it kind of creates that portrait of that ideal. Mm-hmm. God creates the world in six days. On the seventh day, he stops his work of creation. He settles in to creation. He appoints humans to rule and reign and rest with him in this beautiful garden. And you get this picture of a place Mm. that is abundant Mm. and they're called to work and serve in it, but it's not the kind of working that Mm. you do when you're like grinding it out and it's breaking your back. It's like the kind of work where it's you show up and it's this cooperative kind of like the land is producing for you. And, Mm. and it's, it's almost this playful kind of work, the kind of, you know, some scientists call it flow where it's just like you're in the state of <laughs> yeah. like, it doesn't feel like work, but there's a yeah. lot of productivity. Yes, yes. And that's the ideal. <clears throat> mm. Whatever that actually, mm. I mean, we all kind of know we want that. Yeah, yep. And we all try for that in mm. our lives. Mm-hmm. And the and um, But humanity doesn't get to stay in that state. There's a rebellion. We don't want to cooperate with God mm. and rule with him. We want to rule with our own mm. wisdom and there's an exile, and now there's no rest. Mm-hmm. Now mm. Into it's the, the grind. The, yeah, the anti-Sabbath land. Anti-Sabbath <laughs> land. Yeah, inverted Sabbath land. Upside down. Were you, yeah, now the uh, humans treat the ground as a slave, and then the slave, <laughs> and then that slave, the ground, in turn, works the humans to death. Yeah. Back they to start the dust of the killing, earth. They start killing each other. Yeah, that's Genesis 3, verses six, 16 to 19. I think we all get this intuitively. It's like we desire this rest, mm-hmm. but we know that really life is this grind, mm-hmm. grinding us back to dust. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. W- why do we have this sense of this <clears throat> ideal rest? Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Mm-hmm. Will it ever be achieved? And the biblical story is saying, yes, you have that for a reason. Mm-hmm. God designed it that way, and mm-hmm. God wants to bring humanity back there. Yeah. And the narrative continues with God choosing yeah. the family of Abraham and saying, I'm going to give you this rest yeah. and a land of abundance, and uh, you will be my people, and you'll kind of regain this, this state. And mm-hmm. the people of Abraham, the Israelites, end up as slaves, Mm-hmm. They're not like ruling with yeah. God yeah, in yeah. a beautiful land. They're slaves yeah. in Egypt. That's right. And so they have to be liberated from their slavery. And the story of their liberation from slavery mirrors the image of God creating the world out of disorder. Mm-hmm. And so now you get kind of like these two perspectives with the same idea, mm-hmm. which is how do we get to rest? Well, mm-hmm. one is God has to just take disorder and order it in mm-hmm. a way. Liberate it from Death disorder. And darkness and disorder. But also, he needs to take us who are kind of enslaved mm-hmm. to, in the story, enslaved to Egypt, yeah. but the powers and the and right. corrupt institutions, yeah. and has to mm-hmm. liberate humanity. Mm-hmm. And that is also mm-hmm. all the images of their liberation, or all these creation mm-hmm. images. Mm-hmm. And it ends with this, hey, now go and rest in this new land. Yeah, yes. Exodus 15 God's bringing his people into an inheritance where he will plant them Mm. and live among them and dwell among them. The word dwell is spelled with the same letters as Shabbat, Sabbath Mm. in Exodus 15. So it's called the mountain 
of his inheritance. It's all this Eden imagery of resting with God on the holy mountain. Yeah. But it's what the liberated slaves who were liberated on the night of a first day that they celebrate for seven days, that liberation, and then on their way to the new garden mountain. Yeah. Yeah. So, wrapped nice. That was the Exodus story. Then the tabernacle. Then the tabernacle. Yeah. If creation is God's temple, all of creation is God's temple. Mm -hmm. And the point is that God rests here with us. That has been lost. The Mm. tabernacle becomes this microcosm, this little image of reclaiming Mm. that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Moses is given blueprints Mm -hmm. of how to build this. Mm -hmm. And in the blueprints have this Sabbath structure. Yes, that's where right. it's like yeah, yeah. it's it's created in six speeches and mm-hmm. on the seventh speech mm-hmm. it's all about resting. Mm-hmm. So just like it's being now ingrained into our psyche through these narratives of like yeah. there's this, supposed to be this pattern mm. of mm. creating and then resting and stopping. Yeah. And you and you're kind of asking like well, why is that so important? Why is it so important to to mm. stop on the seventh day. Mm-hmm. It's in this it's even in the blueprints. Yes, that's right. Of the temple yeah. or the tabernacle. Yeah. And then you get the Ten Commandments. Yeah. And it's one of the commandments yep. to rest on the seventh day. Yeah. It's a rhythm of their life as they wander through the desert. Yeah, they're told to collect manna yes. for six days. On yeah. the seventh day, don't collect any. Yep. Trust that there will be enough on the next day. Yeah, and as we began to talk about it, it it's really about this the sense of trust that there will be enough yeah. and that my mm. anxiety and mm. struggle isn't going to bring rest ultimately. Yeah. God will bring it. Yep. And I'm not supposed to just wait for it yeah. in the future. Yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to actually mm-hmm. seize it now, mm-hmm. uh, even though mm-hmm. we still live in a world of disorder and chaos. Yeah. I can stop That's right. and I can take a break and I can... Yeah. practice like new creation has begun. That's right. Yeah. And for an Israelite, they look at the center of their camp. They see the little micro dwelling of Yahweh in their midst as also an advanced symbol of the day when Yahweh's presence will fill all of creation. Yeah. Like the ideal seventh day in mm-hmm. Genesis 1. So if that's what the tabernacle represents, both a present reality of a future hope, then the seventh day rest of the Sabbath isn't just it's the same remember what the tabernacle and temple are to space mm-hmm. the sabbath or the seventh day rests are to time yeah they're present symbols and signs and foretastes of the future the future of space seventh time. day yeah such a thank you abraham heschel for that wonderful mm. concept <laughs> the sabbath as a temple in time mm. yeah it's good. Cathedral of time. <clears throat> Cathed- is that what he yeah, said? he used the phrase cathedral. But what he means is a sacred space. Yeah. Yeah. Then we start looking at just this obsession with seven. <laughs> yeah, then Leviticus just goes like Richter off yeah. the Richter scale. You got the seventh day Sabbath. Yeah. But then you've got mm-hmm. man. The seventh year rest. Well no, let's start just so it's a good thing there isn't a every seven hour rest. <laughs> <laughs> every seven every minutes. Seven minutes. You say the Shema or something. No, every seventh day. Then it blows up to on an annual cycle. Yeah. You've got... All these feasts. Oh, yep. Yeah, that's right. So the first one is Passover. Yeah. Um, and after the Passover is the meal that begins in, at night. Yep. Yeah. And then there's a seven-day... Seven-day unleavened uh, bread. Unleavened bread. Yep. 
feast. Yep. And that's all pointing towards liberation, yep. which is what Sabbath is for. Yeah, it's about right. our future uh, liberation. Liberation into the land of rest. Yep. Then there's the, after you go into the land and, and then after you get, whenever the, you get your harvest, yeah. the first Sabbath, after you get your harvest, you bring a first fruits thank you card to God in the, in the temple. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a thank you yeah. symbol. Yep. Mm. Then after first fruits, do you remember? Mm, I'm trying to remember. This is the last one in the first half of yeah, the year. It's a, it's the, it's oh yeah, 50 days. 50, yeah. Count 50, f- seven times seven, yeah. 49 days, Pentecost. and then you have an extra day of rest. Yeah, so it's like, hey, yeah. are we excited about sevens? Let's get real excited about sevens. <laughs> seven times yeah, seven. seven times seven days. Yeah, that's right. And so that means then um, on the 50th day, you've just celebrated a Sabbath because mm-hmm. it's the seventh Sabbath cycle after yep. Passover. And now on the 50th day, mm-hmm. you're going to do an extra special yeah, Sabbath. Of that n- next round of harvest. You know, different plants, different crops uh, give their first harvest at different times of yeah. the spring or early summer. Yeah. yeah. That's the idea. And then we get into the trumpet. So that's the first half of the year. First half of the year. Second half of the year begins with the seventh month. Seventh month. <laughs> yeah. The seventh month, of course, is super important. Yep. So important that it's even thought of as like a new year. Yes. Of sorts. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Rosh Hashanah. Yep. Yeah, so that's one of them, Rosh Hashanah, the trumpet. Blow some trumpets. Blow, yeah, yep. the yep. new year comes in. Here's the seventh month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then seventh month is packed yes. with yeah. festivals to remind you yeah. that there's this ultimate rest coming. Yes. After you blow the trumpets to inaugurate the seventh month, then on the 10th day is the Day of Atonement. Oh, yeah, the Day of Israel's yeah. sins are symbolically exiled from the camp. It's like right in the center of the calendar year. Yeah. That's right. On the seventh month, in the middle of the seventh month, mm-hmm. on the tenth day of the seventh month? Tenth day, yep. Yeah. Yep. Tenth yeah. day of the seventh month. And yeah. ten is obviously a very important yep. image as well. Yep. From Genesis 1, ten words, Exodus, ten plagues, Mount Sinai, the ten, ten commandments. commandments. Which are also ten words. Yep. And yeah. then a seven-day festival yep. of yeah. uh, not working, yep. hanging out. Yeah. And Li- living in a little sacred garden tent yeah. that you've made out of... The beautiful, le- luxurious leaves, branches. Leaves and branches of beautiful fruit trees by, that came from a river. Yeah. <laughs> That's the description. It's yeah. so, like, it just couldn't be more overt yeah. with the Eden hyperlinks right there. Yeah. Tree, because it has to be from a tree that's beautiful with fruit by a river. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, I, if you're an ancient Israelite, your yeah. entire year now is yes. all that's right revolving around these festivals that are all mm-hmm. helping you remember yes. where where this is all heading that's right where is history heading yep. or where history heading yeah where's time heading yeah uh, yeah yeah where is the story where is the story going of of our world going and it's actually asking us yeah. to practice mm-hmm. the future reality of where it's heading yeah here in the present on a yearly basis to structure your concept of time yeah. Uh, on this on this micro rhythm of an annual. Yeah, you can't plan right. anything in your life without first yeah. seeing how it's going to fit into this. Totally, yes. And if that's true on the annual cycle, it's even amplified on the Jubilee cycle. So it's the weekly cycle, yeah. annual cycle, and then yeah. there's... The seven times seven annual cycle. <laughs> every seven years, it's yeah. extra special. Yes, that's right. Yep. A year of release. A year of release. For uh, debt slaves and forgiveness of debts. Yeah. Yep. That's called the Sabbath year? It's called the year of release. Year of release. Yep. And then, let's not. that's not enough. Nope. Let's step it up one more. Totally. Seven times seven years. Yeah. Every seventh of those seven yeah. year cycles, yeah. 
which would be 49. Well, the 49th year, you'd do the seventh seven. Yeah. And then but, the 50th year. But then on the Day of Atonement mm. of that seventh seven, you oh. blow a trumpet yeah. and inaugurate a full an year. additional year yeah. that is the year of Jubilee. And in the year of Jubilee, things get crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Anyone who's lost their property, yep. it all goes back. Yep. Big reset. Yeah. If you file bankruptcy, all those assets become yours again in terms of a farming community. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. And and also full reset, full reset. to the Eden ideal, mm. which would come once in a lifetime for most Israelites. Because yeah. every 50 years, most Israelites would only ever experience one of them. Oh, and at the disruption point. Yeah, how disruptive this would be. Yeah, this is a full economic, social, I mean, yeah. use whatever verbs you want. Political, it's a reset button. Yeah. Yeah. If you think about it, like everyone is creating the future, right? Mm. Like mm. when you start a business, mm. you're trying to create a certain future state that you want. When you give a loan to someone, you're thinking in the future what what you want when you're mm. building a house, when you're, bu- when you're creating a family, mm. all of this, it's all about where's this all heading? Yeah. And if built into it are all of these disruptions, mm-hmm. like, hey, every seven days, yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah. Every seventh year, yeah. debt's released. Yeah. Every seven by seven years, like all the assets go back. It's like you can't plan mm. and you can't imagine a future uh, without right. uh, this yeah. completely coloring the way you do it. Correct. Yeah, that was the, the original point you made a little while ago. No, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. It, and it builds in the suspicion of what we would call the natural course of things. Mm. And the biblical story is the post-exile the from, natural from course Eden reality. being death. Yeah. And slavery. Death and slavery. And people abusing power. And abusing each other. And abusing each other. Yeah. So built in is this like divine interruption yeah. where God says, hey, everybody cut it out, start over. It's like only allows things to de- like <laughs> decompose so much. Decompose so much. Yeah. Which is we're going to see uh, even, even with that uh, in place, th- the story still doesn't go well. <laughs> cool. But yeah, here, yes, it's a good summary. That took a little while. It took a little while, but it was fun. Okay, so we just walked out of the Jubilee in Exodus, excuse me, Leviticus 25. Mm-hmm. We walk into Leviticus 26. And we read, starting verse 3. <clears throat> Everybody, if y'all walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, then I'll give you rains in their seasons. Okay, yeah, need, we need that mm-hmm. for crops. The land will yield its produce. Sweet. The trees of the field will bear fruit. Mm -hmm. Your threshing will last until the grape gathering 
and then the grape gathering will last until you sow seed and you will eat your food to the completeness. Mm. <laughs> and again, in Hebrew, that word full or complete is Looks sp- like the word spelled with the same three letters as the word seven. Or seven. Yep. I'm always getting that confused. Yeah, that's all right. It's okay. Sabbath stop seven, yeah. which is the day of Sabbath, <laughs> is the same letters yes. as the word complete. Yep, that's right. You, I'll give you shalom in your land. You'll live securely there. I'll give you shalom. I'll eliminate the harmful wild animals uh, and no sword will pass through your land. Mm. Go down to verse 11. I Sounds very like, it sounds like Eden. Dude, totally. Actually, sorry. Verse nine. I will turn towards you and make you fruitful and multiply. Yeah, the Eden. Com- yeah, uh, totally. Command. Yep. I'll confirm my covenant with you. Uh, verse 11, I will make my dwelling among you. Ah, mm. this is important then. Reflecting back, the Eden ideal has baked into it. God's presence. A temple presence. Yeah. 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 If you're there's just no, reading. There's no the temple e- building. That's right. That's right. Creation is the temple. Correct. Ah, look at verse 12. This is key. I will walk among you. Oh, that's the Eden yes. verb, right? Yes. This is the first time. It's the phrase of uh, Adam and Eve after eating from the tree, but they heard the sound of Yahweh God walking mm. in the midst, hit halech. Mm. So there's the word halach, which means to walk, but the hit halech is like, Just to, to like, like wandering, strolling. strolling. We might call it strolling. Actually, yeah. it's a great English phrase for mm. hit halech. Yeah, yeah, strolling. So this is the same verb. Mm. I will stroll among you. Mm, strolling among us. It's just full on Eden reset here. Mm. So this, again, reflects back to the Jubilee, the Eden ideal. Um, if Israel is obedient, then what they will experience is the, yeah, the full Sabbath, seventh day blessing of Eden. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So what if they don't? Mm. What if they eat of the tree yeah, of yeah. knowing good and evil? If they don't, Leviticus depicts the results as an upside down jubilee. Yeah, use that phrase. Well, you'll see. Verse 14. But if you don't listen to me or carry out my commands. So the first thing is if you listen to carry out my commands, Eden. If you don't listen to me and carry out my commands. Oh, can we stop for a second? Yep. His, in Eden, the command was oh, yeah. eat of all the f- yeah, trees. That's right. Just eat everything. Correct. Uh, just not this one. Oh, yes. Yeah. D- not the tree of knowing good and evil. Yeah. Yeah. And now yep. in this context. Correct. God actually created a covenant with yeah. a people, an ancient people, mm-hmm. and gave them a whole bunch of commands. Mm-hmm. But we're supposed to see those as kind of parallel, parallel. ideas. The command, <clears throat> yeah, the covenant commands are the parallel to the uh, the command about the tree. Okay. Correct. Cool. Yeah. Which, again, helps. We're going to make a video about this, about the trees of Eden. Yeah. Because this is very helpful. This kind of provides... Remember how this works. Later iterations of a design pattern mm. provide backwards feedback loop insight yeah. into yeah. earlier patterns. So Israel choosing what to do with the Torah, commands of the Torah, will determine whether or not they go into exile or whether they get life in the land. Yeah. And that's the same yeah, plot tension in the in the garden. Cool. If you don't carry out these commands, if you reject my decrees, if you abhor my laws, feel contempt towards my laws. Man, Yahweh asking us to give to the poor and leave our fields for wild animals every seventh year. It's crazy. Mm. I'm not going to do that. So if you fail to carry out my commands and so violate the covenant, that's a good example that the commands aren't just 
random, their covenant, or the mm. marriage terms. Yeah. Then, this is what I will do to you. And from verse 16 through the end of the chapter, it's just a long list of stiff consequences. And which strikes modern readers as really... Heavy-handed? Over the top. Yeah. Yeah. I remember once the summer, I think I was right out of... I just finished college and was not able to put my Bible degree to use yet. <laughs> so I became like in a like a, an assistant handyman at an apartment complex. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I cannot imagine that. Yeah, that's where I learned how to do drywall and oh. all the skills I learned, which weren't that many, but yeah. I learned that. That's valuable. It was super valuable. So we were... Turning over this apartment, people had just moved out. We were patching some holes. We had to replace some plumbing. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember we were painting in the living room. He and I were both part of the skate church ministry. And so we learned from the guy who started it, Mm. Paul, Mm -hmm. that listening to the Bible Hmm. while you work is just an awesome thing to do. So one summer, don't judge us, we were thought, (laughs) "Let's let's listen to the whole Pentateuch this week. Yeah. As we're just like working. Yeah. So it's pretty awesome. Except one time we got to Leviticus 26. Yeah. And it, all the curses. And once the covenant curses, it takes about five to seven minutes to read aloud. Uh-oh. And it's just all yeah. just dropping the divine hammer. judgment hammer. Yeah. And so we're listening to this and a lady walks by oh. who lives there and she sees that we're working. So she comes in to ask us like a question oh. about like, hey, you know, my something in my window doesn't work yeah. or something. And she comes in. And it's like, I will punish you for your sin seven times over, and you'll be defeated by your enemies, and those who hate you will rule over you, you know? Yeah. And this lady was just like, what are these guys listening to? Yeah. She was she was weirded out. Yeah. But anyway, that's a memory I have. That is so funny. Leviticus 26. <laughs> <laughs> it's its own version of like heavy metal music or something, yeah. but just listening to like covenant curses. <laughs> totally. You know, one thing helped me. In, in graduate school, multiple things did. But um, once I was in a class where we were reading other ancient Near Eastern literature, we had a whole section on ancient covenant treaties. Mm-hmm. There's lots of them from mm-hmm. the ancient world. Okay. The Arameans and the Hittites. Yeah. The way they wrote up covenant treaties yeah. was like this. Yeah. And actually, Leviticus 26 looks kind of tame compared to some of the covenant curses that the Hittite kings would bring <laughs> on their enemies. Like they would get like, may your cow's flesh rot. And oh, it was there was some, it's a difficult line to translate, but this one king, Shupi Luli Uma, is... You just made that word up. No, that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Supi Luli Uma or Shupi Luli Uma. Okay. Yeah, he's the Hittite king. Anyway, uh, from the uh, 1300s BC. Mm. Um, so anyhow, he has this line in it, and we just like it became a joke in the department because it, it's hard to translate, but it's something about may your chickens <laughs> peck out the eyes of all your animals. Oh gosh. It's like of these like rabid chickens. May your chickens become rabid. You know what this reminds me of is the Monty (laughs) Python skit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. sure. Yeah, that's right. I fought in your general direction. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So just to say, this is a thing. When you want to pump up the rhetoric and say, dude, be faithful to this agreement. You're saying it's rhetoric. I'm saying it's a form of covenantal rhetoric. 
they would have read this and they would have been like, oh yeah, I'm familiar with these. Totally. And they, it's not that they would say, oh no, big deal. You know. This oh is yeah, just no. What you say. It's supposed to be. It heavy. is a big deal. Yeah. But I'm just saying, it. This isn't. Uh, this is. It's an ancient convention. Yeah. That uh, the biblical authors are are framing the covenant in. That's just helpful. Okay. Even though it sounds crazy to that lady who walked in and heard. Well, Leviticus and it sounds 26. crazy when you even read it now. I okay, mean, yes. It so feels intense. All that to say is, if you don't listen to my commands, I'll bring sudden terror on you. Leviticus 26 and verse 16. Wasting disease, fever that will destroy your sight and sap your strength. I mean, it's the but think, it's the opposite. We're just turning all the blessings of Eden, yeah. and we're just turning each one of them upside Inverting down. Inverting them. You're being ground back to dust. Yeah, totally. I'll set my face against you. Instead of God walking with you, Hmm. now you've made God your enemy. Those who hate you will rule over you. You'll flee even when no one's chasing you. And then this is the first repetition of a key line. If after all this, you still don't listen, I'll discipline you for your sins seven times over. So if the ideal is the seventh, day rest mm, the anti-ideal the anti-ideal yeah it's like is a, a seventh day seven is, times curse is is exile from eden multiplied by seven hmm. so it goes on if you verse 21 if you remain hostile towards me and refuse to listen i'll multiply your afflictions seven times over as your sins deserve verse 23 if in spite of these things you don't accept my correction then I'll afflict you for your sins seven times. It says it four times in the chapter. Mm. You'll get a seven. It's, just get, com- it's compounding. Yeah, compounding. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's then called check, an exponent. It all builds up to verse 33. I'll scatter you among the nations. I'll draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste. Your cities lie in ruins. Verse 34. Then the land will get to enjoy the Sabbath years. All the time that it lies desolate and you're in the country of your enemies, the land will finally Mm. get that Sabbath rest Mm. and enjoy its Sabbaths. Interesting. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest that it didn't get during the Sabbaths that you were living on it. Hmm. Yeah. It's very interesting. The land, you remember this in the seventh year release? Yeah, you let the land... Rest. Yeah, just it's parallel. You release your slaves, you liberate them because yeah. they're not your property. You don't really own them. You really own them. They all belong to God, just like you do. And so also the land. Yeah, we talked about this, how, you know, it's such a, I mean, I don't know how long in human history we've thought this, but like we own land and uh, yeah, yeah, it's such ingrained in our psyche. Mm-hmm. Like you can own land. Yeah. And um, mm. there's something about, the Eden ideal where you don't actually own the land. That's right. Yeah. In fact, we didn't talk about this in um, the Jubilee chapter, Leviticus 25. Yeah. But that's exactly the logic is you release the land every 49th and 50th year. And it says the land is mine. You are tenants upon it. You're mm. renters yeah. on, the, on my land. Yeah. That's totally the concept. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, when Israel isn't doing the seven day rest, the seventh year release and the Jubilee release. It's as if the land is building up a resentment. <laughs> it's building up like, um, yeah, like Yeah, not debt. resentment. It's building up like you owe me. Yeah. Hey, well, another another Jubilee that nobody did. Yeah. Okay, you guys owe me. Yeah, interesting. Check. So we're building up all towards this symbolic 
depiction of exile as a 70 or as a 7 times 70. A 70. Yep. We'll just wait for Jeremiah. But exile is going to be envisioned as... It's not going to be a quick exile. No, no. It's been compounded. But also, the exile is gaining a meaning here. Mm. Whatever the exile is, Mm. it's going to be restoring the lost Sabbaths, the lost seventh day and seventh years and seven times seven years. It's about um, restoring that to the land because you didn't give it to the land. So to back up, make sure that everyone is <laughs> following, including myself. Yeah. Israel's getting the land. Yes. It's a promised kind yes. of new creation That's Eden right. kind of place. Yeah. They got to keep these covenants mm-hmm. and, and it will be Eden. Mm-hmm. It will be amazing. Yeah. Yes. And all the nations will be blessed. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, there's this foreshadowing of you're going to, you're going to get kicked out. Yes. And it's the exact same narrative logic That's right. of Adam and Eve Genesis in the garden. One. That's right. And they don't obey the covenant command. Yeah. And they're exiled out of the garden. That's right. And this is something that actually happened in mm-hmm. human history. Israel yes. was uh, taken over yep. by Babylon um, and they had to leave the land. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and so all, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. And what does it mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, what's the significance of that? And you're saying embedded in here yeah. is all of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a vision that humans, what we call the natural world in the biblical story is an existence of humans living at odds with our real nature. Hmm. And we're living at odds with our environment. With our nature and the nature. Yeah. We're living at odds with each other and we're living at odds with our, yeah, our environment that we don't relate to it the way that we ought to. Mm. Which is you don't mm. you don't push it to the brink. Yeah, it's not ours to do what we want with. Mm. It's a gift, and what you do with gifts is figure out the intention of the giver hmm. for what you do with the gift, right? Really? That's what you do with the gift? I think, well, ah, well, I guess it's not what everybody does with a gift. But yeah, you know, you give, ah, this is a classic scene, you know, you a father giving a son or daughter their first, like, like... Car? Oh, I was going to say, like, pocket knife. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You've got young And kids. this isn't for, like, stabbing the couch or your brother, <laughs> or your brother, you know? This is for, yeah. you know, whittling sticks, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, the vision is that creation is a gift. It's a gift, but it was it's not a gift in like, hey, now you own this. It's a no, gift in like you oversee it. Oversee on it. my behalf. The gift is the ability mm-hmm. is the opportunity I understand. to rule with God. Yeah. All right, yeah. So that the pocket knife analogy only works halfway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cuz it's still mom or dad's pocket knife. It's sharing your inheritance. Yeah, this is yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. So, you get the idea here. You honor the the land knowing it's not yours, knowing that if it, when God fills this place and I trust God's wisdom 
and treat God and neighbor and land and beast by God's wisdom, then Eden will be the result. If we don't, it's an inverted upside down seventh day. Yeah. Verse 40. However, if they're in the land of their enemies and they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their ancestors, their unfaithfulness that they committed to me, they're acting with hostility towards me, if their uncircumcised heart becomes is the, humbled. Is that the first time that phrase is used? Mm, mm-hmm, yes. Moses is going to pick it up in Deuteronomy. Yeah. But this is the first time it's used. Huh. So it's obviously a metaphor. Yeah. So their circumcision is about the removal of skin. Mm-hmm. So, And it's a symbol of the covenant. It's a symbol, yep, of the covenant. And it's a multi-layered symbol with lots of different layers of meaning. Mm. But here it can be that what needs to get taken away is obstinance and hostility and stubbornness. Mm. And so if their unhealed hearts, mm. their stubborn hearts become humbled, they make amends for their iniquity, verse 42, then I will remember my covenant with whom? With Jacob, my covenant with Isaac, my covenant with Abraham. What was that covenant? Blessing. Blessing for all the nations through Israel living on this land, the promised land. And look, I'll remember my covenant, verse 42, and I'll remember the land. So Israel's in exile Mm. and uh, they humble themselves. I'll remember my covenants that I made and I'll remember the land. The land's really important here. It's really important. The land gets the rest it deserved. Yeah. And the land can be remembered. Yeah. yeah. The land is made to be eaten. Hmm. Think yeah. about the logic here. I'm just, maybe I've thought this before. I'm just pondering it in this moment. God made the land to be, become eaten through people. Hmm. Right? I'll remember my covenant. That's God remembering my people. Mm-hmm. I'll remember the land. Mm-hmm. It's as if... Man, this is the same logic as Romans 8. The (laughs) creation is liberated from its bondage to decay Mm. when the the children of God uh, are glorified in in resurrection and new creation. Hmm. The creation is waiting for humans to get their act together. So it can be liberated. That never happens. So the creation's waiting for humans to get recreated. (laughs) So it can become what God intended it to become. Hmm. That logic is right here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bible Project Podcast. It's December 2019, and this month in December, we want to ask you to consider joining the Bible Project if you haven't already. This is a crowdfunded project, and we have many wonderful patrons who have allowed us to do some incredible work. We want to highlight the work that we've done so far, but also want to let you know that what we do in our organization is that in December... We take all the money that comes in and we use that to know how far and fast we can go in the next year. So all the money that comes in in December 2019 really is funding our mission for 2020, kind of supercharging it. You can be part of our December join campaign at thebibleproject.com vision. One of the exciting things that happened in 2019 that we're going to continue in 2020 is our localization of our videos into new languages. Today, I want to introduce you to one of those localization teams. Hey, this is Dan, the podcast producer at The Bible Project. And this is Allison with the localization team at The Bible Project. Yeah. Hey, Allison. Like John just said, we're taking this month of December to highlight some of the really cool things that people are working on here at The Bible Project, but they don't always make it to the front page. Yeah, that's right. There are a lot of moving parts here at The Bible Project. And thanks to our supporters, we've had a big push towards localization. So I've often heard that word. People toss it around the office a lot. I still don't know exactly what it means. (laughs) 
Yeah, I hear that often. So, localization is basically just a fancy word for recreating our English videos into other languages and cultures. A lot of people ask me why we don't just do subtitles and call it a day. That's something I've totally been wondering myself. Yeah, well, if you've ever seen a Bible Project video, you'll notice that Tim and John's voices often play off of on-screen text and imagery, and we want to recreate that experience as much as possible. So we basically create a team from scratch, like artists, voiceover talent, and translators. Then we send them our files and work with them as they morph our videos into their native language. That is really cool. It sounds very complicated. <laughs> you wanted to highlight several different languages this month. So who do you want to talk about today? Yeah, so I am stoked to present the Brazilian Portuguese team. They are incredibly talented and we've really enjoyed working with them. So to remake the videos, we work with Brazilian animators, illustrators, translators, and even a Brazilian Portuguese voice for Tim. So close your eyes and imagine <laughs> Tim speaking uh, Portuguese to you somewhere on the beach. Yeah, and you won't have to wait till long to figure out what that's going to sound like because the channel's going to launch in January and we'll have about 50 videos published by the end of the year. That is really amazing, Allison. Yeah, we wanted to share this team with the podcast audience because it's your support that allows us to bring our videos to Brazilian Portuguese community, which is a pretty big deal because there's almost 200 million Brazilian Portuguese speakers and millions more that speak other Portuguese dialects. I uh, just looked it up. Uh, it's actually one of the top 10 languages in the world. Wow, fun fact. Fun Brazilian yeah. Portuguese fact. <laughs> we're very excited and we're so grateful for y'all. Yes, thank you, everybody. All right, so Bible Project in Brazilian Portuguese. You can meet them. Here we go. Hi, my name is Mirella. I am Brazilian. I do live in Los Angeles, California. And my role within the Bible Project has been a language advisor. And I basically work around the same books as the rest of the Brazil team. Uh, my favorite video is definitely Ephesians. Makes me cry every time. For 2020, I'm really looking forward to finishing the Read Scripture series and hopefully continue with new series. Hello, my name is Issa Miclera Gonçalves. Minha função aqui é desenhar as fontes dentro do, dentro do poster do Bible Project. Uh, estou gostando muito porque é um, uma realização uh, pessoal minha também, que é através de oração. Também é uma das partes que eu mais gosto de fazer, dos posters que eu mais gostei de fazer, foi o poster de João. You just heard Sammy Claire share his passion for this. He lives in Chapecó, Brazil, and his role within the Bible Project is to create the fonts in the posters. And he said he's loving this experience. It's been such a personal achievement that has come to his life through prayer. He also said that his favorite poster to work on was the poster of the Book of John. Hello, my name is Rafael. I work on the Read Scriptures project in Brazil. Now I'm a coordinator of the project here. We are working now uh, the last books of the New Testament and in the next month probably we will start to do the Old Testament. Hi, my name is Bia Piva. I'm one of the Portuguese editors on the Project Bible. Hi, I am Adriano. I'm working on animation of the Portuguese version of the videos from the Bible project. And I'd like to invite all Brazilians around the world to check it out on YouTube, because I know you love it too. <laughs> ciao, ciao. <laughs> Is there like a popular way of saying goodbye in Portuguese or in Brazilian? Ciao. It's like Italian. Okay, say it. Valeu. You can all say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I say pessoal. I say pessoal. Like, that's all, folks. I say pessoal.